Welcome to Career Combat with your host, Kelly Combat. Get ready to learn how to navigate the career battlefield and achieve a flawless victory. Now, here is Kelly. Well, welcome, welcome, and welcome again. My name is Kelly Combat, and this is Career Combat. So I want to first say thank you for joining. I know that there's a lot going on right now, and it can be really difficult, some harrowing times that we're going through right now. And so I'd love to offer up a bit of peace during the show so that you can kick back, relax, perhaps have a warm beverage, whether it's bone broth or tea or coffee, because today I do have a special guest. Her name is Jeanette Jordan, and let me just introduce her real quick. Jeanette Jordan is amazing. I I got to know her very recently, and let me tell you, I I joke and I say rarefied air, rarefied air Jordan. (laughs) Jeanette Jordan is the person who you would be going to when you are looking to pivot. She is the quintessential leader with crazy experience. And without further ado, everybody, are you ready? It's Jeanette Jordan. Oh, thank you, Kelly. What a warm welcome. I might have to steal that rarefied Air Jordan. I love that. (laughs) Yes, please do so with pride. I mean, because when I think about your career and the kinds of spaces that you've been in, um, probably in a lot of circles, being the only, yeah, and 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 just breaking through all kinds of barriers. Ooh, yes. Yeah, just I mean, <laughs> all the barriers that you've been breaking through your whole life. Let's start there. The first question, and and if you all are new to this career combat, whenever I have a guest, it's as authentic as authentic can be. The questions are real. They're questions yeah. that I think that most people would want to hear from. And they're just really all about the kinds of experiences you've had. And Yeah, and of, it's unscripted. It's that's unscripted. Right. That's right. We're, we're live and we're doing this real time. I don't have any prep questions, so we're just going to have a real conversation. That's right. Nothing padded. So when you think about those breaking of barriers, what is the one barrier that you've broken? that you're the most proud of? Ooh, that is so hard. But I think one that stands out pretty recently, in 2018, I got a job at a tech company in the Bay Area where I'm based. They're probably medium-sized kind of tech company. So anywhere from a couple hundred to a couple thousand. Um, And I remember joining and I was the most senior ranking Black person to work at the company in 2018. And that one still blows my mind. You know, I graduated college in... 2004. And to still be having first kind of, you know, post Y2K and the millennium, I didn't think that that was going to happen, right? So it's wild to me to still be the first anything. It's both um, humbling and it's both sad, right? So in 2018, to be the first Black person to do something, I took that honor very seriously. I helped launch, uh, relaunch the Black ERG. I really stepped into a role in thinking of myself as a leader in a role model. 
but it was still also heartbreaking that the company mm-hmm. had been around 12 years at this point and I'm still the first anything. And the the employee base let me know they had not even had a Hispanic Latinx leader raise that high. So even that community really felt like they were looking to me to be a voice, to be a wow. champion, to be an advocate. Wow, that's real. Um, and I can imagine the kind of pressure that would be bubbling up inside of you. How did you how did you protect your peace with all that pressure? Ooh, that's such a real question. I didn't, Kelly. I didn't. I burned out. Uh, Uh, And I and I have I talk about my burnout story quite candidly. I and, you know, work often intersects life. Right. And so at the time I had recently gotten divorced right before I started this job, really looking for an up level in my job. I have a feeling I was probably one of the highest paid um, women of color, or at least that was not an engineer, because I remember my recruiter, um, there was a lead recruiter who was a white man, there was a younger girl who processed all the paperwork, Latin woman, and she was like, I stood up and I like cheered when I saw your offer letter. I could not (laughs) believe you negotiated that much, right? But I was a new single mom. I had a two and a half year old and a six month old starting this job. And so it wasn't even just the pressure at work. It was also the pressure of there's no longer another income in my house. I really need to push myself. I need to perform my, my whole family. My whole livelihood is relying on me. And And because I was aware that I was the first, you know, I was probably the first in plenty of other places, but not walking into it with the awareness of what exactly that means and knowing how I perform is going to set the tone for everybody else. I went incredibly hard. I was working day and night um, and I burned out and I talk about my burnout story. I remember my daughter almost a year and a half later, she's like four now waking up in the middle of the night and catching me crying at my computer because the pressure was so intense. It was a global organization. I was under-resourced, which is so common for people of color leaders. And we're going to be honest about it, right? Don't I know it. (laughs) I was so under-resourced. So I was the most senior ranking person to be slated to be a manager, but they never gave me a team. They never, it was like, you could come and build your own team. And they never fulfilled on that promise. So I had no full-time direct reports and I was leading a global rebrand for the organization. We were changing the company name and logo, employee kits and every t-shirts, everything that goes down with it. And I remember as soon as I was like ready to go to bed and wrapping up all my emails, here comes Singapore online. And they would start pinging me with questions before I could get to bed. And then my CEO, who I reported directly to, is an early riser. So he would start sending messages anywhere between 4.30 a.m. and 6 a.m. Oh, boy. Mic drop. So it it was intense. And I didn't even think about protecting my peace, right? I thought about protecting my lifestyle, my kids, my family, the other employees in my organization who were rooting for me, who were leaning on me, who were bringing their problems to me, who felt like I was a safe space, you know, who felt like I was shelter in the midst of a storm. 
and I burned out. Mm. That is such a lesson. And I, I appreciate your vulnerability, Jeanette, in, in terms of sharing that, because I think many times we keep those kinds of stories close to the vest. It's so important. Yeah. it's. So I think we have to talk about it because it's so common. And I remember when I decided to leave, um, once I wrapped up this project and I was completely burned out, I decided to leave the company because it was this nice thing working on a rebrand. It, all of my projects kind of wrapped up. I had such a huge project and it was only me full time. And once it launched, all my projects kind of wrapped up. And so I said, oh, before I jump into anything else, I'm actually going to take a break. This was, it was my 10 year anniversary in the tech industry. And I said, I'm going to take a sabbatical. If I had been in one company this whole time, they would put me on sabbatical. So I'm going to put myself on sabbatical. And I met with a black ERG right before I exited. Right. And I told them what was going on. I told them I feel burnt out. I, I feel undervalued. I'm definitely under resource. Everybody could see that. Uh, but I'm leaving and I'm leaving for them. I mm. said, because if I stay, whether I like it or not, I'm sending you a message to accept these kind of conditions, right? I am the first and I am a role model and I am going to set the tone. And I actually want to send a message to this organization, but in particular to my Black employees, that you actually get to choose and you don't have to accept these kind of burnout conditions. That is crystal clear. You know, Jeanette, you probably have heard me say this before about the fact that each and every one of us is the CEO of our lives. Yeah. Full so stop. Important. So Full important. stop. And, and what I just heard you say is the fact that you, you, you said it, you meant it, you were here to represent it, and you were really all about choosing your own adventure, but sending yeah. a message. Yeah. And I did, and I represented them well, right? And I'm proud. It was a launch, I have to share. It was almost like one of those teenage movie things. I am a single mom. And of course, the day we roll out the role, the rebrand, I'm running late. I can get one of my daughters dress, right? Like they're just having a toddler moment. And so they were about to thank me. And I'm watching the CEOs live walking into work and they're like, where's Jeanette? People are texting me. And I'm like, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. And just as they said my name, the elevator doors open and we were having an all hands in our local office and everybody erupted and cheered. Right. So I did. I represented them well. I represented them globally. I had a successful launch. Right. I did what I came to do. So it's as equally important that I put the same kind of energy into taking care of myself too, right? And and I do think it has an impact, right? I've stayed connected with some people who worked for me at the time and they have wow. come back to me with their stories. They have left companies, right? They knew that they could call me. They knew that they could count on me. But most importantly, they knew that they could walk away from a situation that wasn't serving them because I did send that message, right? So I think it's really important 
And I share really openly about my burnout because so many of us are doing it, suffering with it and not knowing it, right? And I talk about this in my story. Thankfully, I have good girlfriends and I've always stayed close to coaches even before I was officially a coach. And I remember one of my friends called me and she's like, you don't sound good. You know, you sound like you're burnout. I was like, no, mm-mm, not me. I can't be burnt out. Uh, do you know who's relying on me? Do you know what projects I have? And so she started rattling off these symptoms and she's like, you know, do you have a million files open on your computer and you, you lost track of what you were even working on? I was like, uh, maybe. Um, and she's like, you know, are you, are you trying to get more done and getting slower? And she just started rattling off these things. And I was like, how does she know? You know, it was like this weird, (laughs) creepy moment where I was like, is she spying on me? And she's like, that's burnout, right? It doesn't have to be this big thing that we're not getting out of the bed. There's a piece of burnout before we get to that point where we still feel like we're quite functional. We're exhausted all the time. We're inefficient in that functioning. Right. And she was like, I, have burned out two times and I'm really worried about you. Like this is something that you really need to catch. And so I'm really thankful for that spur of the moment phone call. That was like, not even about that. I think she wanted to grab dinner or something, but she was loving and gentle enough to point it out. And that's why I think it's really important to talk about. It really is. It really is. And I mean, you're conjuring up so many times that I remember the body Mm-hmm. being the score yeah right it that always whole, will yeah, it does the the body keeps the score uh you know when we're going through burnout and we've got all those files and we're just almost like spinning plates on every yeah. finger just trying not to drop those plates the body will show up and show out every single time I remember not that long ago I want to say maybe it was a little less than two years ago I remember just, you know, doing all the things, doing all the things like we do as women. Yeah. And I remember uh, my Apple Watch just started going off. Oh. Like AFib detected or something. It just kept saying uh, irregularity detected, irregularity detected. Oh, my god! I started getting very nervous and scared. And I, I had a meeting like in another 10 minutes and. Uh, I, I, my mom happened to be visiting and I, I, I just went with my gut and I said, I think I need to take care of this. So <laughs> I think I need to go to the doctor or something. I, I didn't know what was going on. I started seeing like floaters in, in, in mm. the air and things like that. Well, long story short, I did end up going to the ER and they, you know, put me through a nuclear stress test and, and it was just showing up. The burnout was showing up in oh my, my body. Gosh. Wow. And that's not cool. Like, we got to do something about it. We got to tell the stories and do something about it. Well, one also kudos to you for listening to the sign, right? Because how many people would have would have had that watch going off and be like, oh, I'll get to it right after that meeting. Right. So kudos to you for listening to the signs, because I do think that that is the part of the danger. And I think the more we can talk about it and the more that people can see accomplished people and accomplished women talking Mm. about it, I also think that the more likely to recognize the symptoms and also choose something different. Right. I still feel incredibly successful, even though there was a period of time where I had to walk away from that job and I had to slow my pace. 
Yes. Yes. And you knew the signs and you did something about it. Once again, yeah. I'm hearing, I'm hearing a, uh, a common theme, almost like a common denominator with you, Jeanette, that you are really innately paying attention to the signs. Yeah. I think we have to, right? I think it's it's so important. And, you know, I started my career, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about this, um, as a civil engineer and construction manager. So I had to study a lot of lab science in school, right? And it is all about that. It is all about the science. It is all about the data. It's all about identifying a pattern, right? So when you can appeal to me logically, I did pay attention to science, but I will, I will say I'm stubborn, right? My sister, my friends, they had to repeat it for me and repeat what they were seeing for me, for me oh, okay. to really get it and to take action. But it is important to not ignore those signs because your body can crash down. And I'm glad that it wasn't more serious. You know, I was able to take a three-week vacation before I left job. I negotiated an exit and then I was able to take about seven months off. Thankfully, right before the pandemic hit, which was really, really wild. Um, and, but it was a good time to also be off and rest and recover before we were forced off and we were forced to shut down. I had already had that practice and I'm really grateful. I'm sure you are. And we're grateful that you have all these lessons and that you're dropping diamonds today and today of all days, right? Today of all days, it's Friday, October 13th. And the reason why the reason why I say it to all of you is that, you know, it's 13th, the 13th. And sometimes when people see the 13th, they say, ooh, that's scary. Well, we're going to we're going to, you know, think about that in the, in the fact that it might be scary, pun intended. It might be <laughs> scary to pivot. Uh, yeah. And so we're going to be talking a lot more about what is the definition of how to pivot and what does it look like? So stay tuned. We're speaking with Jeanette Jordan. Keep with us. We're going to take a quick break. Thanks, everybody. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. When there is a war on talent, you have to go to combat. What is career combat? Career Combat is your destination for real career talk and real career advice. Here, you'll hear from the brightest and best in the business to get the answers that you've been craving. How do I get the job? How do I switch careers? How do I start my own business? How do I find my career passion? How do I find a great coach? This show is designed around you. Your questions answered live. The topics created by you. What are you waiting for? Check out Career Combat wherever you get your podcasts. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. 
Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Career Combat with Kelly Combat. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Kelly Combat, and you're listening to Career Combat. And before the break, we were speaking with none other than Jeanette Jordan, and Jeanette was just dropping all kinds of science, all kinds of knowledge. And, you know, I thought it was appropriate that on today, Friday the 13th, which for some of you may be a bit scary if you're superstitious, that we would talk about the scary part of pivots, career pivots. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Career pivots. You know, when I think about all the things that are happening in the world, we we had the great resignation. We have the great reimagination, <laughs> things that are happening, layoffs impending, all these things. Jeanette, what is your definition of a career pivot? Yeah, I think about a career pivot as you really moving to probably a new function or a new industry, really starting to redefine yourself, right? Mm. And I was thinking about this in kind of preparation for our conversation. Fun fact, my dad used to coach basketball, right? When I okay. was a kid. And so the pivot in sports in, and in particular basketball is really crucial, right? You have one foot down and your other foot is helping you change direction in motion, right? And you think Think about that actual motion, that balance of stability and flexibility as so important in sports, right? You don't want to be still. You don't want to be flat-footed. And so I was thinking about my early lessons, and I think it was really starting to be formed by that. How can we start to see pivots as a good thing and embrace them, right? I knew since I was a kid, I didn't want to do the exact same thing for 30 or 40 years, right? Yes. And so I didn't really see that. I think sometimes we discount people who move around as like a job jumper and, you know, they're not stable. And I really wanted to create a brand and celebrate the pivot, right? Because we get to be dynamic. We get to be flexible. We get to be in motion. For those of us who are highly creative or multi-passionate like I am, I think mm -hmm. that we've always thought about it like this. But now I think it's more important than ever when there's job and market changes and you might be forced into a pivot, right? Um, to take these lessons about how you might be able to embrace it. And thinking on along those lines, I, you know, when I spent all my time in human resources, um, there were some pivots along the way. Uh, 
uh, like you said, diversification of industry and career and company. And and it was so disheartening to bring up that point that you just made about people saying, oh, uh, uh, this is job hopping or what have you. Let's yeah. face it, everybody. Nobody is guaranteeing <laughs> that the days are long gone that yeah. we're going to be guaranteed that we can stay at a particular company or or in a role for 30 or 40 years. Yeah. And sometimes you may even want to have more creativity and flexibility in your life. So what inspired you, Jeanette, to move from civil engineering to yeah. the rest of your careers? Yeah. You know, when I looked at, I've always been big on following my curiosity, right? And so at the time, I actually wanted to be a civil engineer since I was a kid. I used to play with Legos and design things. And so I was forced into a pivot, right? The financial crisis happened and it really it, it impacted housing and real estate. And so I could see from my basic economics classes, supply and demand. We were building through all the demand we had. We were not getting new sales and we were headed. I was headed to be out of a job. And so I had already enrolled in school to be a better people manager. My engineering curriculum didn't teach me that. And I had enrolled part-time to get an MBA. And I'm so thankful. I had a marketing professor my first semester that was like, marketing is not um, a soft skill. It's a hard skill. It can be very quantitative. And so as a kid, I've always loved commercials and jingles and ads, but I was told, right, I'm a math person. I'm not like an English person, right? And I listened to that and I felt guided. So when this teacher was like, hey, I have a PhD in stats, but I'm a marketer, it opened my world to the fact that I could apply all of this math rigor to marketing and advertising and jingles. And I did that. I followed my curiosity in school. I ended up doing an independent study about how you could apply data to how people shop. And there are these eye tracking movement studies, and that's how people define shelf space. And so I wanted to prove that I could be this data-driven marketer. And I created a class for myself to prove that. I used that to go get a job and the technology industry really responded to me and was like, hey, they were really setting themselves apart as being data-driven as an industry. And so they're like, hey, a lot of marketers don't see themselves as quantitative people. So as a quantitative marketer, you'll talk to my engineers, you'll talk to my marketers, this is perfect. And they're the only industry that got my background, paying attention to the signs. Mm. And I followed it. And I turned that into a career and I ended up getting a job at a company called Bill Me Later that had just got acquired by PayPal and it's become PayPal credit in the wallet. It's still around. I'm still incredibly proud of that work, but that really set me off in a new direction and landing that first job at a really recognizable brand allowed me to walk into this whole new industry. Talk about reading the tea leaves <laughs> and, yeah. paying, and paying attention to the signs. Like you said, simple, simple supply and demand. You wanted to make sure that you were paying attention to what the, the, the skills and the competencies and the natural talents that you had, but also pay attention to how can I best pivot, pun intended, yeah. how can I best pivot into something that is going to be future proof that is going to be, really resonate and I could spin this into so much more. It's got more, more legs, more longevity. Yeah. And I think that this is really about, and my coaching is really focused on this, 
knowing the things you like. A lot of people are like, oh, you're a construction manager. What does that have to do with product marketing? And I said, I love building things, right? In construction that looks like houses, in tech that looks like products. I love working cross-functionally and collaboratively, right? You do that in both jobs. And I love quick turn projects. I want to build something in a year or less. And when I could explain what I was passionate about, what I was looking for out of a job, what I valued, I was like, these jobs are actually exactly the same for the things that I like, for the things that I do well. And I would flip the interview on its head and not get caught flat-footed, pun intended, right? Um, Not get caught flat-footed when someone in an interview is like, these two don't seem the same. I was like, no, actually, they're exactly the same for what I like. And that's why I'm a good fit. And I would totally change the tone of the interview. So I think it's really important to kind of know what you like out of a job. Let's not so narrowly define that as construction manager or project manager. When you know the kinds of things that you want to do in your day-to-day, when you know how you want to work in that environment, those can have many different titles, right? And I want people to be open to that. Let's stop looking at the title first and let's start thinking about the activities that light you up. And that's the thing that I always did as a recruiter. I I looked at those commonalities and not, did they grow up in tech? Did they grow up in R&D? Did they grow up in consumer products? It's more about what is, what is that that thing that connects all of it? Where's that, that passion? Where's the, where's the thing, the love, that thing that lights that person up. And so when I think about all of what you just said, Jeanette, I'm wondering from your opinion, what do you think most people do not do when it comes to creating a pivot in their career? Oh, tell a good story. Mm. Tell a good story. Because I do think, you know, you sound like an incredibly active recruiter and HR person who was willing to kind of brainstorm with somebody and do that work. But for a lot of people, they're like, oh, round hole, round peg, round hole, round peg, right? (laughs) And so if you don't have the appearance of fitting, they're going to move on to the next person, especially in this kind of market right? Where there there's a lot of layoffs and there's a lot of people on the market. So I think telling a good story is essential. And I say that, especially for anyone who is going into marketing or who is in marketing. I always tell marketers that I'm coaching, you're the first product. You're the first yes. service. If you can't market yourself well, why would I take a chance on you to market my product? You know yourself the best. You've been with yourself forever. So I think really being intentional of how to tell your story. And I think it will give you confidence because if you were walking into an interview, feeling nervous or feeling shy, feeling that doubt, feeling that imposter, and it's not that we don't all get it, but I do think you have to do the work and the practice to start to come through it. When someone asks me, I don't get it. Why should you be a marketer? I would react to that question instead of responding to that question, right? I'd be like, ooh, they hit upon the thing I was trying to hide. Now I feel weak. (laughs) Now I feel exposed, right? And that's going to change how I show up. I was like, hmm, why wouldn't I want to be a marketer? Why wouldn't you want my skill sets? I've actually built bigger projects, building real things and hard things in million dollar projects. Why wouldn't you want me to be your marketer? 
why wouldn't you want someone who can collaborate with your engineering team, right? This is where I'm uniquely skilled. And then they had to kind of realize they were caught flat-footed, right? That was not the real question. They were trying to challenge me and rattle me. And I ended up showing them there's more to it than this one, two, you know? I may not be round in your mind, but that doesn't mean I'm not a good fit. And having that perspective from different industries and how people do things also could be helpful, having some fresh eyes in the room. And that's exactly it. I mean, one of the things that I, I, I tout all the time in my workshops is the fact that what you just said earlier, it's we don't tell stories enough. Yeah, we do not tell stories enough. And and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter your your personality preference, your communication style. You may say to yourself, well, I'm not a I'm not a cheerleader. That's just not my style. It's not my culture. That's fine. Nobody's asking you to do that. It's just that it's what exactly you said. It's the marketing of it all. Everything comes down to branding. When people ask me, Kelly, what is your brand? I tell them I'm curious and I'm kind. That is my brand. Full stop every day, all day. That is my approach. Coaching is not what I do. It's who I am. And so and so when you tell a story, it paints a picture in our minds. We love brands. We love stories. If you think about anything that you see on television, whether it's an infomercial or what have you, what grabs you is the story. It's it's the mortar that holds the bricks together. Ooh, I love that. And it's, it's, it's not just the story, right? It's the feeling that the story elicits. And that's why it's so memorable, right? I think the facts and the figures, you can overdo it. But if you think about any of your formative years, K through 12, do you remember all of those facts and figures? Or do you remember the best and maybe the worst teachers you had, right? (laughs) When you have strong feelings, that is what sticks out. You can remember the name of the people that made you feel something, right? And so I think that that's what's really important. We can remember stories more when we're eliciting those feelings. And we want you to be thoughtful and intentional about the the feelings that you want to create, the lasting impressions, what people will know you for and associate you with, right? And long before I was a coach, long before I started building a a brand around pathways and pivots and car that own lane, I was really a champion in the workplace for people to change, for people to pivot, for people to go to other departments. So when I stepped out and did this coaching work full time, right? A recent pivot that I had last year, everybody's like, this makes sense. We've been waiting for you, right? Because ah. that is the thing that I have always been championing and being known for. I want people to be happy and healthy at work right? And I want you to carve your own lane, whether it's laid out for you or not. Whether it's laid out for you or not. Exactly. Those are the things that we need to keep in mind because sometimes it's not laid out for you, but that doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah. The road less traveled. Mm, mm. I'm wondering, when you think about all the things that you've been learning along the way when it comes to pivots. What do you think is a a piece of advice that you might've gotten about pivots that you didn't take, but you want to illuminate now? 
advice that I have gotten that I didn't take. You know, if it's anything, I mean, I, I took it eventually, but I have to look back and laugh. Um, I have a voice note in 2012 after I had like a mentoring conversation with someone and I was like, I really think I should be a coach. I think I'm on to something with this coaching thing. And there were a lot of people who were encouraging me and I was in my early thirties and I was like, I don't know. I don't see it. What? I, I don't know if I've had enough career milestones to be a coach, right? I really didn't understand the function in the industry at that point. And so I didn't do it. And I spent 10 years working these other jobs and I definitely had some interest and had some joy, but it's nothing like when I first stepped into coaching. Like I, this is my calling. I know that this is what I meant to be doing. I, I get lit up every day. Right. And so the fact that I didn't kind of take the advice, I didn't pay attention to the signs back then. I think it's probably one piece of advice that I kind of laugh and kick myself at. And I also think um, it really starts to add layers and dimensionality to my coaching because I also know what it looks like. I've told myself those narratives about why I have to stay in a job that's not serving me or why I need to just focus on the money or can you really make money at things that light you up? You know, like people are almost <laughs> skeptical, right. right? I'm sure you've heard that, right? Can you sure. actually like, mm, if it brings you joy, you obviously can't make money at it, right? And I've told myself all those things. So when I can see it, recognize it and hear it in my clients, I have some experience where we can make a connection and build on that. But I often think, what would my career be like? Where would I be um, mentally, emotionally, financially, had I done the thing that lit me up 10 years ago? That's as real as real can get, folks. (laughs) Jeanette Jordan, keeping it real. Absolutely. All day, every day. And that's why I'm so happy that you're here. Well, in the next few moments, folks, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be back with Jeanette Jordan talking about coaching. Stay tuned. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. When there is a war on talent, you have to go to combat. What is career combat? Career combat is your destination for real career talk and real career advice. Here, you'll hear from the brightest and best in the business to get the answers that you've been craving. How do I get the job? How do I switch careers? How do I start my own business? How do I find my career passion? How do I find a great coach? This show is designed around you. Your questions answered live. The topics created by you. What are you waiting for? Check out Career Combat wherever you get your podcasts. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Men are currently in a mental health crisis. 
Suicide, addiction, and loneliness are on the rise. Men need mentorship, community, and guidance. On the Men's Therapy Podcast with Mark Azulay, you'll hear from experts on topics that men care about the most. Financial health, relationships, fitness, emotional management, and lifestyle design. Listen live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Career Combat with Kelly Combat. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. All right, and we're back. And it's such a lovely reminder that you design this show. You design the show every single time. And whatever you want to make sure that uh, you know, that we talk about, you can always write us at yes at kellycoach.com. That's yes at k-e-l-l-i-c-o-a-c-h.com. All right. So welcome back. We are still speaking with Jeanette Jordan, rarefied air, Jeanette Jordan. Yes, we are. And, you know, before the break, we were talking about coaching, a little bit about the the coaching that Jeanette had been thinking about doing and and now is doing, I thought it would be really important to talk about the learning from coaching. So my question to you, Jeanette, is is really around in your work of coaching, what are you most finding out about yourself? Oh, one of the things that I found out about myself, and you said it earlier, right? Um, like I am a coach and I know you, you also talk about the power of I am, but it's, it's not just a job. It's not something that I do. Right. And I think that this is a really uh, big insight. When I go back and look at my life, right. I was always an empathetic listener, right. And I was the person that people want to come to when they have problems and they feel safe to share or, or ask for advice. I used to do a lot of mentoring programs. And I remember I I got busy and I had several mentees kind of doing similar things around career transitions. And I was like, we should just get all on a group call and I could build community that way between you. And so when I'm not available, you have each other. That's group coaching, right? So it's <laughs> like, I, I am a coach. This is actually fundamentally core to who I am and my personality, supporting, holding space for people, helping them feel safe, helping them actually name what their dreams are and feel more comfortable to take action and actualize them. And so it's it, when I say it's a calling, I, I meant it and not in a hokey way. One of my favorite right. uh, books is the crossroads of should and must. Um, So if you think calling is just kind of a big elusive word, I encourage you to read that article or that book. And she breaks down the difference between a job, a career, and a calling. And even though I was kind of reluctant to answer the call, I'm so glad that I'm here because this is really who I am at a default and what I was meant to be doing. And to be able to see the connection, the spark, the freedom 
um, or even the avoidance of mistakes. Uh, I, I recently, I had a leader that came into a coaching session and was like, I'm quitting. Like, it's not working. I'm quitting. Mm. And, um, I was, I was a little thrown off. Uh, this person is pretty senior and pretty important to the organization, but I'm also a coach that I want to hear you out. And I'm always willing to explore that. And when I started digging in, I saw a trend. I don't know if you saw this. A lot of my parents, um, who are also leaders around Labor Day with summer and not being in routine and schedule, they were all just starting to like burn out and fry. They didn't have the focus time that they're sure. used to. They're out of routine. And so a lot of them were just coming increasingly frustrated. And I was able to connect those dots and see the trend and ask this person more about kids and actual parenting schedule. And I was like, okay, let's just take a beat before we quit. And why don't we see once your kids are back into like a regular routine, how you're feeling. Right. And two weeks later, the person showed up and was like, oh, kids are back in school. Sports are going. I have focus time. I'm ready to go. Right. And, (laughs) And I think about so much. What if that person didn't have a coach? What if I wasn't there? What if they quit that day? Right. Uh, how would that have changed the trajectory of the company and how would that have changed the trajectory of that person's life? So I think it's just so important. I think one lesson is that I am a coach. I think the other lesson that I've learned through my clients is having appropriate support is so important. And no matter what we do, I love the African proverb, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And especially for executives and leaders, it can be quite lonely. You know, you don't have a full team of people anymore that are doing your exact function. You are the person who is providing answers. You don't always have the support internally to ask questions. People are looking at you, your your peers are domain experts, right? They're an expert in sales. You're an expert in marketing. They're an expert in finance, right? They don't necessarily have the expertise to brainstorm and collaborate with you. They're looking at you to be the expert. And so sometimes having places where you can ask questions, right? Be heard, get that support. I think it's crucial to us, no matter whether this is in our personal life or in our professional life. It's true all the time. All the time, 24-7. I say it all the time that at the end of the day, you do deserve to be heard. Yeah. Uh, There's nothing nothing worse than being on this earth and feeling as if you either, A, don't belong, or as if nobody is listening to you. Yeah. Yeah. A question I love to ask is my leaders, like, you know, you can want to go after something or a goal or whatever. And one of the questions I always ask is, do you have enough support to achieve that? And you would be surprised at um, how often that question is met with silence, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's not something people even think about. No when they're going to approach their goals, we have really gotten into um, uh, this, I I need to do it all my own or this superhero kind of complex. And I often like to say I'm Alfred 
in the the Batman lab, right? Oh, I yeah. am the places <laughs> where when my leaders have lost a battle, they're feeling low, they're feeling broken down, they can come to the safe place, they can come to the cave, and we are going to work together to retool, to refuel, and have them go back out in the world and appear like a superhero. But is Batman Batman without Alfred, right? And so no. I think sometimes we we miss that. Even our superheroes have support. <laughs> they do. They do. And it's that magic behind the, yeah. you know, behind the curtain or yes. uh, that, the, the wizard back behind. Absolutely. Behind, behind right. Without what was that, happening in Oz. Yeah. You know, they're just an average person. So, you know, thinking about that. What do you think, Jeanette, is the hardest thing about coaching that most people don't know? Oh, um, I think one of the hardest things about coaching is you are holding space for a lot of people. I don't find that many people are coaches without being extremely empathetic, right? Yes. So I think you also have to really be careful that when your leaders are having a tough time or in transition, you're not transferring those feelings to yourself or to your life, right? Mm. You have to have your own support as a coach. Coaches need coaches. Oh, yes. <laughs> right? You have to have your own support. I think even um, one of the coaches I really respect and admire often talked about a routine. What is your routine to kind of shake off the day? And so she talked about having a methodology of like, she washes her hands after a session, right? And it's ceremonial to like cleanse off what has been poured onto me. So I think in some ways it's like one, making sure you do have your own support and you have enough. Um, and I would say in my early days, I don't think I thought about that enough. I think like, unlike other functions, or should I say maybe more functions should be like coaching, you know, you really have to take breaks. You really just can't absorb all of the the content, the feelings and energy. You never know how people are going to show up. And Bats. so you do need to actually take breaks between meetings and sessions. And I think everybody probably should, but I don't think that this is a role where you can have back-to-back -back meetings. Like you just... You wouldn't even know who's up. You wouldn't even remember people's story, right? You might not, not have the emotional capacity to give. Um, so I think that those are some important. Check your own support. Make sure because other people are having big feelings, you're not misinterpreting those as your own big feelings. And, you know, take breaks, have that rest and relaxation kind of time in between, reflection time, however you think about it. Jeanette, I have to say, <laughs> With full transparency, I wish you had been my coach, <laughs> the coach coaching the coach uh, back when I was pulling all kinds of hours. I was yeah. so excited about coaching <laughs> that I was I, I was getting all these clients and having all these hours uh, because I had some goals. I wanted to yeah. be a professional certified coach. And that's when the the story that I shared earlier happened. Uh, because I wasn't slowing down. Yeah. Very valuable. I lesson. know. I know we have these coaching goals and we were like, jump off and like, oh, a hundred hours. I do that in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that is not healthy for no. us, right? So, but it's like, oh, I used to work 40, 60 hours a week. I could do this, right? No, no, that's a valuable lesson. And so quick round, I'd love to ask you some quick, quick 
questions okay. uh, just to get to know you on the uh, on the funny side. My first question, your favorite movie. Oh, um, this is so hard. Uh, I have so many movies that I love. This is a hard one. Um, I feel like on more of a funny side, sticking with it. One of my favorite rom-coms is when Harry met Sally. Um, and I love seeing relationships and like people evolve over time. Excellent. That's such a classic. Yeah. What should we, uh, you mentioned a couple of, uh, you know, you mentioned a proverb earlier, an African proverb and a great book. What should we be reading or listening to? I mean, besides your podcast, uh, ah, nice. <laughs> um, I, th- that is a good one. Um, I also have a medium blog where I talk a lot about transitions that, you know, I highly love and respect, but I did drop it. Um, L Luna, the crossroads of should and must is one of my go-tos. It has a lot of pictures. When you say you're too busy to read, get the book. She's an artist, but she talks about having this career crisis and feeling like at the top of her game in a tech company, quitting, leaving it all, moving to a white apartment and like re- hitting a hard reset for her life. Um, and if she could do it, I think anybody could do it. So I think that that's one of my favorites. Nice. And so, so on topic. Last quick question. What is your favorite vacation spot? Oh, and it's like asking me to pick a favorite kid. Um, <laughs> I love travel and I try to go to one new country every year. Um, the pandemic slowed me down, but so this is a really hard question. But I think if I have to pick one, I would say uh, South Africa. South Africa was oh, absolutely nice. beautiful, but on top of their beach, mountains, fresh food, good food. Uh, when I was there, people kept stopping me and saying, oh, do you know who you look like? Do you know? You must be from here. You look just like my cousin. You look just like my auntie. Mm. And so as a people who've been disconnected from our ancestral roots, um, South Africa was not only beautiful and fun, it felt like a coming home and the people welcomed me as such. Beautiful. Beautiful indeed. So Jeanette. It's been so wonderful, wonderful talking with you today. I'm wondering how can people get in contact with you in case they want to become a client? How can they get in contact with you? Yeah, I love that. When you talk about clear branding, I am Jeanette, J-E-A-N-E-T-T-E-C, Jordan. Um, On all of my platforms, you can find me on social. My website is JeanetteCJordan.com. I keep it really simple um, so you can find me, but I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter X, whatever they're calling it today, uh, TikTok. Um, So, and, and that's my website. So feel free to reach out to me. I love engaging with people. I love responding to inboxes and comments. Um, Whether you're a client or not, if you just want to have a conversation or tell me about a moment that you've overcome, I will celebrate with you. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Awesome. I love that. I love that indeed. All right. So Jeanette, thank you so, so much. And as we wrap up, I want to share with you our next guest for next week. Her name is Patricia Taylor Todd. And she is a political powerhouse. She is going to be talking to us about coaching and making moves, all the things. But before we wrap, everyone, 
I would love to make sure that you hold that space for yourselves and protect your peace at all costs. I know it's hard, but do it because I promise you, you'll be all the better for it. Thanks for listening. This is Career Combat. My name is Kelly Combat. And until next time, see ya. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Career Combat with Kelly Combat. We hope we've given you the tools to navigate your career quandaries. Until we talk again next week, have a beautiful week. <laughs>